Hey there, and welcome to the Dynamics Hot Dish Podcast, serving up stories and knowledge on Dynamics 365 and the Power Platform. This is what's hot in Dynamics. You're now joining Merlin Schweiger, Liz McGlennon, and Ashley Steiner. You're going to cut it out like Merlin cut his rat tail? How long did you have that rat tail for? A little bit embarrassed to say. I started growing it in, I think, sixth grade. Which year was that? year was that you're you're like 12 in sixth grade if that helps Marilyn uh that does actually help that makes it faster than counting back from graduation that'd be I guess 93 ish okay and that's when that makes sense the boys in my class had rat tails too I'd say like like, 92 93 yeah but up until like I mean actually we weren't even really in school yet in 93 but I was in kindergarten but I was in kindergarten like I I was preschool. I was, I was in kindergarten in, in oh. 93. Did you have multiple years of kindergarten? Mm-mm. We, I started when I was five. Oh, weird. Yeah. I feel like I, my kindergarten year was 94, 95. Mine was 93, 94. Interesting. Maybe I'm remembering my years wrong. And I know that because that's when we moved the, to the Indian reservation or sure reservation, I guess I Native American reservation. Native American. That's just growing up. It was the Indian reservation, so it's yeah, hard to yeah. change your. No, yeah, change well, that anyway. was the early nineties. <laughs> right. Anyways, you got it. In Actually, we grade. just called it the res. Yeah, um, just called the res. That's what I'm used to call. Yeah. It. So, but but that's a very cultural thing. I would say to have on the res is the men would have rat tails, and it was a sign of like how long it was was a sign of so of uh, like pride, I guess. Right. Um, right. Oh, so you're, you're saying I shouldn't be ashamed for the fact that I kept it for you longer than I You did not live on a reservation. You don't, Maryland. you're not Native you American. That I too. I am not. That's true. That's true. Okay, so, so you started anything, it, it in 93. Cultural appropriation. I cut I it off. I know a lot of country men who have them still. The end of 2002? <laughs> I told you. <laughs> So you had it past high school. I had it into college. Cut it off. Do you? Halfway through senior year. Is this our chit-chat? Of college? Of college. Is this our chit-chat or can I say something like a little more personal? Oh, this is not going to be our chit-chat. We're going with Easter candy. I can't believe, Merlin, I'm going to say this again because now we're recording, that you hate charity so much. That you're not willing to grow out your rat tail for money. Well, uh, Ashley, as we just uncovered, um, I may have a little bit of shame about it from my past and a little bit of disappointment that I didn't cut it off sooner. Um, Do you think we should move on to our uh, actual topic of the day? Probably. Okay, I think we should. So let's talk about specifically sales processes. And I liked your I liked your war segue better. Just FYI, speaking of war. Speaking of war, yes, Sorry. well, had to be said. Um, so what we're going to talk about today is sales processes and mapping sales processes with Dynamics 365 sales, and vice versa. 
Um, and what I'm going to ask first of Ashley, because I know that she supports a lot of salespeople, is what do you feel like, which do you think should come first, the process or the software? Like, should the process support the software or should the, the software support the process? I want to know what Liz is thinking because she's laughing right now. I just think that's such an easy question. But Ashley, you go ahead. Oh, I was going to make a chicken and egg joke. Um, speaking of Easter. I um, like that. Yeah, <laughs> you should. Uh, yes. <laughs> Well, there you go. It's done. Uh, which one came first, the chicken or the egg? So uh, I, I think, yeah, I agree with Liz. Like the answer is really obvious. The technology should never drive your internal process of how you do business. It should always support it. Um, so I do. So I always, when I train like sales leadership or I've done presentations in the past on um, like why salespeople hate CRM, literally that's like the name of it is salespeople hate CRM. Um, is because it doesn't follow the process or like how they're supposed to actually work and with the customer. And so, um, so it definitely has to come first, like that sales process, the sales um, strategy, all of that should be built first. Now, I think a technology can help guide that, you know? So I think depending mm -hmm. on, um, well, I mean, obviously dynamics can be fit for any industry. It can be customized and fit. But obviously there are some CRM systems, which of course we're not going to name any, which sit, fit into a specific industry. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes because of that, they can help guide it if you don't already have one existing. But I would always recommend to create a process and strategy before, before you develop any sort of technology. Because what happens is people are like, oh, well, in that case, then I'm going to click on this tab and I'm going to fill this in. And, and it's like, no, separate of the technology, like what, what kind of information do you need to gather? Who do you need to talk to? How do you do that? And then if you bring the technology into it, they're always going to be like, well, I just go create a phone call then, or I do this. And it doesn't, um, mm -hmm. then it becomes about, and then later on when it's not scalable, it's because you built it around the technology and not about how your salespeople should actually work. Yeah, or it just never gets used because it's not their process, like their actual process. Like how often does the manager think they know what the process is and then the, what they're actually doing is something pretty different. Yeah, or the manager wants that to be the process. It's like, no, no, this is our process and I'm going to make everybody follow this process. And nobody follows that process. So that's a good question. Like if you don't have a sales process or you're trying to change processes, like should that happen at the same time as uh, like a D365 implementation? Because those are two pretty big changes to have happen at the same time. Like, do you think they should be separate or do you think it's okay to have them together? That's a hard, oh, that's a hard one to answer. So I think it can be part of the same project as long as you don't bring the technology into the process conversation. Like it can be the press. So like, Hey, this is my project. And these are the sprints that I've laid out for myself. And in these sprints, we're going to do the process. And then in these sprints is where we're going to start using the technology. So I know that's like not at the same time, but it can be part of the same project, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I think that as soon as, so I think that like technique, technical people can start setting up the environment and getting some things ready, but I don't think sales should see any of that until they detail the process and how they work. I, I don't know. You guys might disagree. That's, that's a really hard question to answer. Cause how often do you guys actually work on a project where 
you don't do them both at the same time, which sucks, but. I mean, never, but I, I guess I take your point that you probably should separate them. And I, I guess I interpret that coming from a place of you don't want, you don't want the technology to drive the process. You want the process to drive the technology. And if you bring the technology into the process conversations, then you're more likely to take shortcuts and say, well, yeah, maybe I would like it if the salesperson did this, this, and this, but it's a lot easier. This button's already here on the opportunity. So like, I'll just let them do that instead. And then you're not really maybe getting what you want out of it. I also think that you tend to use it. Like, I do think that there's parts of dynamics specifically you should use out of the box, right? Like if you're going to have a lead to opportunity process or like you convert something, I mean, that is already there in the system, right? So like, I don't think, I think creating your own opportunity entity, which I know people have done, that is very, I would not Why? What's it. the reason for that? Oh, there's a lot. Yeah, no, well. No, like seriously, like yeah, what's yeah. the so rationale were, behind that? Like, is there ever were, a reason to do that? <laughs> I, I personally do not think so. The person that I, or the company that I know did that, it was recommended by their partner because they said there was functionality not on the opportunity to do what they wanted to do. But I think, but to me over time, that's not scalable because if it's not doing something that you want it to do, first of all, just build custom code into it and make it do what you want it to do. But over time, so much is done and changed and added. I don't, I don't know what the specific reasons were other than their partner said, oh, like it can't do what you're looking for it to do. We need to build its own. I don't understand why you wouldn't just add that on top of the existing like opportunity table or just add like a related uh yeah. table. table you know what I mean right, like I right. always think of like just attach something to it yeah um so so those kinds of things though so as like a technologist right so as the person that knows the technology is I'm listening to them say oh at this point I qualify them or like this point I decide that they're like a justified prospect and things like that so in my head I'm saying okay that's the lead to the opportunity but I don't want them saying oh at this point I would click the button because maybe mm-hmm. they don't click a button, you know what I mean? But you can change some of that with how you roll it out or how you use the technology, right? You can add custom stuff into that, but also if they don't, but then you're like, oh, I know there's a button there. So maybe they should just use a button instead. So I, I don't know. I, I know I'm like ta- rambling and talking, but it's like basically saying like, you want to use what's there, but also don't be afraid to like customize and make it look slightly different based on how they work. Um, I think the worst thing you can do right. is just roll it out of the box and say, oh, you're going to have to just adjust everything to how it looks right now. No one uses it 100% out of the box. No, and I've, I've seen companies try and it turns out their salespeople hate it because it's not relevant it turns, to that. Right. It just turns into like, oh, I have to do this data entry to keep my boss happy and not like, oh, this is actually providing something useful to me. Like, it's helping me keep tabs on what I should be doing, or it's telling me what I should, who I should call next. No, none of that. It's just like, got to do data entry. Oh, the end of the month is coming up. I better like go readjust all of my estimated close dates to the end of next month. Just bulk select that page, push them out. <laughs> just edit them all at once and then forget about it for three and a half more weeks. And like, oh, got to update them again. Like, well, Merlin, I feel like that's the, what you just described is the whole point of why you want to incorporate your process into the system. Yeah, not have the reverse where you're taking the technology and saying this is going to drive our process because if it is this extra chore 
manual data entry thing that you know they're doing just so that management has reporting on the pipeline or whatever like it will never be used well it will never actually provide value and the data is going to be garbage because you're going to have poor salesperson user adoptions like i really feel like ingraining the process is key not the only solution to user adoption issues, but key to like making the implementation be successful for the sales team. Because if it's a lot more work and it's adding no value or it's this extra step that's completely outside of what they're already doing, it's going to be, yeah, like the weekly, monthly, whatever that minimum amount of usage is, is when they're going to go in and just do it the bare minimum. Right. Or they'll just start putting in opportunities that they know are going to win. Yeah, they they say, I mean, sandbagging is common, but, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, like, hopefully it actually helps them be more efficient, more organized and sell more. I mean, that's the idea. I think another thing, and maybe this ties into what you were saying, Ashley, about like not putting the technology first is I think a common mistake is, and, and I feel like I've made this mistake as an implementer of systems in the past is I don't think outside of the CRM. Right. So like the sales process is not just the data or the steps or whatever that I'm doing inside CRM. Like I'm also making phone calls and I'm sending emails and maybe I'm going to meetings and maybe I'm doing other things. If most of my job is on my phone, like sending emails and text messages and like driving around, and then I have to go to my computer to like do data entry. Like I'm never going to go to my computer to do data entry, but if I can make it easy. So like I look the person up and when I click on call, then it logs that I made a phone call for me. I'm still getting the data in the system, but I don't actually have to go and do that as a second step. So I feel like that's like the sales process is more than just whatever the CRM is holding. Yeah. And I know that we're focused a lot on the sales, but there's a lot of interaction between sales and other departments, right? Like I immediately think of marketing, right? So as you're putting somebody into the pipeline, you might want to integrate that with the marketing process. And you're like, oh, at this point I reach out to marketing and I invite them to a webinar or we start them on a campaign. I mean, and then I can speak for my own specific company where we manage devices online. So we don't just sell to prospects. We sell to our internal customers, right? Resell them. And so you'd want to know that certain things are happening with their account. That's still a part of selling, you know, okay, if they're having outages or failures, you'd want to know that. And so if you're solely focused on just having the technology drive it, you're not thinking of all these things that also impact the sales outside of it. Yeah, that's a good point. And you're not going to see that out of the box. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say like, why? Because I've definitely been on projects where the the extra stuff gets ignored too. Like, why do we, we feel like that happens so frequently? I think from my perspective, I was a Dynamics 365 consultant. And so, you know, when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. I had the Dynamics 365 hammer. And so I'm just going to, oh, it'll fix that. It'll fix that. It'll fix that. It'll fix that. And in most cases it can, but in some cases it can't, or you don't realize that you, you have something that's larger than what you can hit with this hammer. You, you just don't, you don't think about those steps because you're very focused in your technology because that's what you do all day, every day. So as an admin perspective on that, so agreed, Marilyn, because I've worked with consultants where like you put, they put somebody on the project and it's narrow, right? Like, okay, this is what we're solving for you. Discover down the road, like, oh, this is also something that it touches. Nope, this is the scope. This is where we're headed. 
um, which is why I like agile a lot better because as you find things down the road, you can fit it in. From the admin perspective, what I found is that they touch those other areas of like, for, so for example, again, my company is just easy for me to relate to, you know, all of those outages, service failures, orders, things like that, that happens in our ERP system. So until we had an integrated solution like Dynamics that does pull all that data together, they either got that from direct access to the ERP or reporting from the ERP. So it's just what they're used to. And then we did not replicate something as similar in the dynamic system. Maybe it's whatever the out of the box solution provided from the vendor of what that should look like versus customizing it to how the salesperson would want to receive that data. So it's not as, it's not as familiar, I guess is what I'll say, or easy to find. So they just keep going back to what they're used to. So that's at least my perspective on the admin side is that they're just used to getting it from somewhere else. So even if you put it into dynamics, they're not going to go look for it there. Yeah. Which is really sad. But if it's not helpful for them, mm-hmm. why would they change? Like change is hard Agreed. even when you should change. So if the change isn't a good change for you, like what chance do you have? Yeah. And I think that all goes back to the implementation of, well, why do you get it out of the ERP? And, it, and if it's so easy and then you get the demo and it's like 15,000 clicks and it's really confusing and difficult and in like dynamics, it's three clicks. They just don't know where to click. It's still a hard sell because they don't know where to click. So you've got to make it right. easy, like up at the top, like, like you said, add a button that says download service calls or something like that um, would go a long way, which I'm giving myself ideas on things to do now. This is creating work for myself. That's kind of funny. I also want to like emphasize something that you said in there, Ashley, about that that's why you like agile. So I also think that we end up in these problems just because of the way that organizations buy and sell software implementations. Like the focus is very much on scope and scope is very much about functionality. I needed to do these 10 things. How much is that going to cost me? Okay. I'm not going to spend more than that. And you're going to deliver those 10 things. And it's very transactional focused on that instead of here's a problem that I'm trying to solve. I want my salespeople to be more productive and approaching it from that perspective and then going into it in a more agile fashion. Be like, well, we don't actually know what's going to help make the salesperson more productive today. And here's some money we could spend to find out and make it better. That can be kind of a hard sell sometimes because now I'm not, I'm not guaranteeing anything at the end of that project. And that could be very nerve wracking for customer finance people to be like, well, how much am I going to spend and what am I going to get for it? But they're probably going to get a better outcome. I would like to think they would get a better outcome. It's also not measurable, right? So I think of a traditional IT leader where you say, oh, I want to improve the efficiency or productiveness of my salesperson. Well, what, what numbers on that? You know, how do we know at the end that it was successful? If they're selling Um, more. If they're right. But I mean, like, Agree. I, I, but you know, it's the saying? ultimate like, goal, not, right? It is the ultimate goal. But what if they just fell into a really big deal? What if they, right. do you know what I mean? So it's well, hard. it would it have is. to be like over time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What if, what if you're a toilet but paper salesperson take... and a pandemic hits? But that could take. <laughs> okay. Years. Crazy exceptions. <laughs> yeah. So Merlin's, oh, your analogy, man. Um, so like that set aside, but I mean, that could take years to find like the actual ROI on that, right? Where yeah. you're just saying increase productivity, increase sales. I mean, how do you really know that? Whereas you're like, oh, I want these 10 things for this amount of money. 
okay, I know I was successful because I got these 10 things afterwards, or I have this much to spend. What can you do for me with that money? Um, That one I see actually more often is, all right, we have a $40,000 budget. What can we do for that? Which with the right mindset, you could still do that as an agile approach and say, well, we'll spend, that's what we'll spend and we'll see how far we get. You're just not going to define the functionality upfront. Which a lot of traditional IT people have struggled. They struggle with that. They really do. Yeah. But there's a reason why so many of the implementations fail from a user adoption perspective. Like it doesn't, I don't think that approach works. Like I wanted to ask like, Merlin, you brought up kind of the process work or like the fact that like we're a D365 consultant coming in and just focusing on that. How often do you see people saying, no, like the stack or D365 isn't the right solution to this problem or even broader, like do D365 consultants, Power Platform consultants seem to have more general BA skills or like strategy and kind of process skills because process work and process improvement is such a huge part of the implementation and it's not just about the technology because I feel like that's where a huge gap is at is that that part there's not enough focus or the people don't have the right skill set to kind of put on like the pure BA hat and forget about the technology for however long it takes to you know define and improve that process. Yeah that's a really good point. I feel like there are there are a number of economic factors for implementation partners that sort of work against that. Um, so, hi Panther. Sorry guys, <laughs> this is what happens when you travel for a week and then try to record a podcast. Let me get rid of them. Keep going, really. Okay. Um, so I think, like to a certain degree, when someone hires a partner, they're expecting that partner to provide technology labor, right? Like I don't, I I feel like it's, it's the same problem that I've seen for at least a decade when you're trying to sell an implementation and you say, well, I need to include project management time so that things will be successful. And I do include QA time and you conclude training time. And those are all of the, the first things that customers push back on because they don't, they don't necessarily see like in their minds, they're not hiring you to solve the salesperson productivity problem. They're not hiring you to implement their sales process problem. They're hiring you again for those 10 pieces of functionality. And so they don't want you spending your time on anything other than those 10 pieces of functionality because that's what they, that's what they perceive that they're paying for. And so I think often taking that step back to spend more time doing like BA work would be value add overall. But I think traditionally that's been a hard sell for a partner to make to a customer. And I think also like to your question of, do you ever like think to yourself, well, maybe Dynamics is not the right solution. Well, if my job is to sell and implement Dynamics 365, I'm not gonna walk into the organization and be like, actually, I don't think that my software is the right fit and walk away. Like I've some people will do before. that. Like, <laughs> for sure. And I think, I think that that's the right thing. Like consultants should do that. But again, the economic impulse there is, well, if I do that, then I am turning off this source of revenue. If I don't do that and I just muddle through, we're still going to make some money. 
And so it's like, but it's, are you going to have a happy, satisfied customer in the long run? What do you, I mean, you'll probably get close enough, right? That's the gamble you take. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying you should. All I'm hearing from that is that it's just expectations need to shift over time. Yeah, I think so. That's just a, it's like a, an old way of, of thinking about the implementation. Yeah. And it, just different expectations need to be set. And that's probably going to be a very slow change in our industry and not like an overnight change. Yeah, I agree. I would like to get to that future where we're focused on the end goal, the process from a big picture. Like what's all the different technology that that covers? Because obviously like dynamics is going to be part of it, but Teams is going to be part of it. My cell phone is going to be part of it. Like something sitting in SharePoint is going to be part of it. The data from the ERP is going to be part of it. Like I, I need to And you also have all the power all platform that. stuff too, right? right? Like you could use Power Automate to automate some stuff or you could build mm-hmm. a Canvas app for this one small piece for this one small part of the team or something. So mm-hmm. you just, there's mm-hmm. so much more there. Um, and just M365, just- like I can't tell you how many implementations I'm on and then we get to like notes or managing tasks. And I'm like, you know, there's an app, there's Planner and OneNote and all these tools in your office suite that would do these things super well and, and could integrate or not integrate with D365, but they're like not even using those tools in a productive way. And there's been like no formal training or change management on like just the broader stack, which those all add a lot of value too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of those things are often sort of forgotten in that training front, like, oh, it's it's just Word and Excel and Well, teams. people like, think that out. you'll, but they don't, like, they don't yeah. really, not from what I've seen, not the more advanced functionality or like if shifting people from maybe taking notes on paper to like notes in OneNote. Yeah. Like that, and everybody, I don't know. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows how much I love OneNote. <laughs> we all love OneNote. <laughs> you haven't talked about it in a while, Marilyn, so any newcomers, they probably don't know that you are in love with it. And Well, if you're just tuning in, I love OneNote and it's amazing. Just not the integration with dynamics. I don't like the integration with dynamics. So I wanted to ask, going back to the kind of like sales processes in D365, do either of you have, I know I do, but I want to hear your thoughts first, like real life scenarios or examples where you've seen the process baked in to the, the software and like, but what are the most common points within the sales process or like actions that you are, it's easier to kind of bake into the system? I mean, I think business process flows is like the number one easiest answer there, right? Um, And I can speak for my current company where we have each, we do have a sales process, we have a sales strategy that, you know, there's different points that you want to get to. And in our business process flows, you have to have certain information in order to move to the next step because you're either creating an assessment. So if you don't have all of these details, you can't create an assessment. Um, And then, you know what I mean? So our business process flow is very just information gathering of like, you cannot physically do this if you don't have this information before you get to that step. Um, and we've also built some functionality in where you can't close it without a closed reason. And that's in the last stage of our business process flow. So if you don't go through every step, you can't actually close the opportunity without putting in that closed reason. So we've actually built some functionality to bypass that pop-up when you close it. So, I mean, so it's one of those things where it's a little bit of the carrot and the stick, right? You can't create your next step without the information from the previous step, but also the stick of you can't actually close this, close this until you get to the end. The, yeah, business process flows, long way of answering your question. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> <laughs> no, they are pretty nice. And I I like, 
I think the things that I've seen that are that, that I would try to do more of is having the data changing drive the process or other actions. Like, like I really like actually the idea of you get to the close stage and then you don't actually just get like the close pop up. You have to like put some data in. And then once you've put the data in, then it can close itself. Mm-hmm. And now I don't have to put in the data and then also click the close and then also click the okay and the pop up, right? Like the system knows what I'm doing next and will kind of do that for me. And I think that that ties into looking at that process overall. If I've taken a step, if I've made the phone call, if I've sent an email or whatever, and that needs to push me to another stage, like I shouldn't have to send the email and then go to my lead and change the status to contacted. Like mm-hmm. I should be able to just track the email to the lead. Now the system knows that it's been contacted, update the status to contacted. I like a lot of that sort of automation by data. Well, and we've done that too in other places than just the business process flow, right? So our for our number one goal is getting that first appointment, right? So you make your calls, however you have to get that first appointment. So you create that appointment in Outlook, you sync it over to Dynamics. And at that point, then you there's an opportunity that comes out of that or there's not an opportunity. So you have buttons that say, okay, I did this appointment and yep, there's an opportunity to sell. And so then it automatically creates the opportunity and carries all that data over and then checks off that you've done the first appointment because it just, you know, so those are just like little things that make a huge difference to a salesperson. One, they're creating one appointment because they're syncing it over from Outlook. They click one button and it creates and does all this stuff on the opportunity. So it's kind of like Liz, your example before where you're like one click and say, Hey, I called and it creates everything and it does it for them. Um, so, so there's other places you can build that sales process automation without using a business process flow. Mm-hmm. So what were your examples, Liz? One I've seen done that I think is usually pretty successful is like baking the documents and like templates and contracts into the system so that they're being generated from D365 and not just done standalone. And I think almost every sales process has some sort of step like you might not be getting an e-signature, but like there's some sort of communication or document or agreement that is processed during that. And then obviously, you know, the out of the box product catalog is not great, but if you like add something like expert logics in, or depending on what your industry is, is like putting your, your service products and pricing into the system as the place to go to get that information, obviously drives user adoption as well, because they need to look that up somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good I think I think the order product part of Dynamics is underutilized. Like adding that information, I, I guess every company I've ever worked at, they don't. It's just because it's not it. very robust or easy to use. Like but I feel like it's bring over it's those, better. Yeah, but if you bring those products over from your ERP, you know that could make it a little bit easier because then you're not mm-hmm. managing it in Dynamics; you're managing it in your ERP and then just bringing it over. How has it gotten better, Merlin? They've added a new UI for like adding products to things like opportunities and quotes, where you can actually like get a list, have multiple things in the list, put in quantities and say go, and it will put all of them on at once. It's a, I don't know if it's still a preview feature or what, but it's one of the system settings you can like toggle it on and off. So it is, it is a little bit better. It makes it a little bit easier to use. Obviously, if you're doing like complicated quoting, you're going to want a CPQ for relatively simple quoting like it's it's better it's it's definitely not as bad as it used to be which i think 
a lot of companies aren't using it because of that sort of legacy. Trying to add five products to a quote was a nightmare. Uh, and now it's all right. Yeah, and I think like an integration to your ERP system is key, like to potentially yeah. pull the products from, or also like, okay, it's going from quote to order to invoice, like that's really where the handoff to the ERP system should happen. So if you don't yes. have the integration, it's like, what's the value of really manually creating and maintaining those records inside the sales mm -hmm. module? And then you just have to replicate it in the ERP system. Right. No, I want as much of that to happen in ERP as possible like wherever possible, all the products should be managed there, pricing should be managed there. In an ideal world, like I would put a quote in on the CRM side and it would go get real-time updated pricing and taxes and everything else from ERP and then update it on the CRM side. I don't want CRM having to calculate any of that. I agree. Agreed. Any parting thoughts on sales processes? I feel like we should uh, probably wrap this one up. I don't have anything else. Yeah. No? Okay. Well, in that case, uh, for anyone who is still listening, please, if you have not already, like this episode, subscribe to our podcast on wherever you get our podcast uh, or on YouTube. If you're on YouTube, click the like button and give us a comment. All of that sort of interaction would be excellent. And thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Dynamics Hot Dish Podcast. For additional content and previous episodes, check out our website at dynamicshotdish.com, follow us on Twitter at Dynamics Hot Dish, and subscribe to our podcast for notifications. Thanks. See you next time.